to All Stars in Transit, where we talk travel to All Stars, the people working behind the scenes at AirAsia. Travel is our common passion, and we'd like to share with you our stories, tips, and recommendations. I'm your host, Abby. And this week, our guest is Rizal of the Internal Communications team. Welcome to All Stars in Transit, Rizal. Hi, Abby. How are you today? I'm doing great. And you?、Uh, very good, thank you. A bit chilly today, but overall, doing really well. I think you look like you're going to play golf in Scotland. I have a reason why I look that way, actually. Oh, really? Okay. Before anything else, I'd like to ask you about how you got started at AirAsia. So my history in the AirAsia group, also known as Capital A, is actually very interesting. So I've been within the group for about four years, two months, and seventeen days today, actually. Specific, yeah. You actually counted. Yeah, I'm actually a geek when it comes to numbers.、Uh, in that way, so I've been in four different departments, starting off in social media, communications, Asia holidays, and now doing internal communications. However, my career with Asia started when I was just seven and a half years old, where I was actually sponsored by、uh, Tony and Datuk Did himself for my golfing endeavors for two years when I was just seven years old. Wow, that's quite an early start. So maybe that's. Always like brought you here somehow. I think life has its funny ways of working, and we have it today. I'm an all star, and have been for the last four years, like I mentioned before. And also your presence here in the company, you always like a bright ray of sunshine whenever you step into the office. Thank you, Abby, for telling me that because sometimes I feel I'm annoying people, but I just do what I do. And to me, as long as I do not hurt them directly or indirectly, I just go with it. This is something that I realize, especially in the role that I have today, it's vital so that it's not only just in the Asia group, but for any internal communications practitioners out there, it's always to be a friendly face to your fellow staff. So that's a bit about it. And actually, the role suits you very well. So now, you are here to talk about sports travel. Coming back to your sponsorship, what happened after that? So sports has always been part of my life ever since I was four years old. So actually, growing up as a kid, I rarely to never watch cartoons. So sports has always been in my nature, and I picked up golf when I was three and a half years old. So my journey started off when I started. Watching sports, notably with Nick Price winning a golf event in 1998, and he won a million dollars. So, with the person I am watching a lot of sports, rarely watching cartoons, so I just told my dad that I want to start up the game. And he was actually already a member of Club Golf Negara Subang,、uh, also known as Subang National Golf Club. And luckily enough, my uncle, who actually plays golf, knew about the game and gave me one club to practice. And actually, the first day I got my golfing lessons, there was a news coverage from I think it was News Straits Times back in the day, and I got hooked onto the game after one lesson. And then my uncle brought me over to a golf club, sorry, a golf shop, to purchase my first junior Snoopy set. So for those kids out there listening in, Snoopy the brand, yeah, they they used to have their own golf sets. Wow, hashtag not sponsored, but that's so cute. But growing up, like, did you? Continue to pursue it in a competitive way. So I actually moved to Gold Coast, Australia. When I was just 14 years old in 2009. So I moved over to a high school golf academy in、uh, Jimbumba, somewhere in between Brisbane and Gold Coast, where the high school had both golf and education. So this is where I nurtured my skills in golf. But yet, being the Asian I am, focusing on studies too. So this is something that I'm blessed and lucky for my parents to give me the exposure to go to, not only leave the house, 
but also move continent at such a young age to pursue both my golfing aspirations, but yet not forgetting the education I needed. And um, after graduating from high school, unfortunately, I realized that I wasn't practicing enough and didn't reach the high levels that I needed to go into a solid NCAA college in the US. So I continued still playing golf, but also getting my Bachelor of International Relations degree at Bowdoin University on the Gold Coast, where, yes, I pursued my international relations degree, but I still uh, was active in golf because we actually won the Australian University Games in 2013, and I was the captain and also leader for the team at the time. Oh, well done. <laughs> okay, so now that you are here at Air Asia, do you still do any sports activities? As as much as I love golf, it's my first passion, but I would say my obsession is football, also known as soccer to some people in certain countries, which I shall not name because football is the real thing. So being a big Arsenal fan, I am uh, people who are listening out there who are football fans would know how Arsenal fans, also known as Gunners, are. So I would say that golf is my passion, but my obsession is football. And also lately, uh, I've reignited my interest in Formula One, thanks to Drive to Survive, even though I watched it initially when I was younger through Michael Schumacher. And also not forgetting the cap that I'm wearing today, actually, the Golden State Warriors since 2012. Not during the Steph Curry peak era, but when he was coming up. So I would say these uh, four sports uh, shapes me today. That's quite a lot of sports to like keep tabs on, right? But your passion, number one, is golf? My passion to play, definitely golf. And then to watch, obsession is football. Yes, and football fandom, as we know, is just intense. Correct. I'd like to talk a little bit about sports travel since you had mentioned it earlier. Do you do any trips specifically for sport? The only kind of holidays that I do are sports-related stuff. Wow, only? I would say priority 90% is sports and the 2% is to catch up with friends from around the world. Ah, can you name some of your favorite holidays? So I would say my favorite holiday was in 2020, actually, just before COVID, because I did a footballing holiday amongst the few that I've done, where it was just before COVID. And the experiences I had in those particular matches that I uh, garnered was second to none and definitely unforgettable. Uh, there were also trips to the US where I went over just to watch basketball and the immigration officer in New York when I landed, asked me the typical three questions of why you're here. I confidently said why I was here for sports. And then he gave me a interesting eyebrow raise because I knew what I was talking about. And before I even getting to the States, when I applied for my US visa in Kuala Lumpur, again, I used the same reasoning of wanting to watch sports and then ended up having a conversation with the officers instead of them asking me hard interview questions to go to the US. You know? mm, I guess that breaks the ice, especially if some of them are sports uh, fans themselves. Definitely. Your football trips would be Arsenal matches? So as much as I love my Arsenal, I actually wouldn't mind investing in other teams, especially most people will say rival teams, but to me, football is football. So the way I honestly plan my holidays are around the schedule of games. So for example, if I like to head over to London, a number of key things that I'll do is, number one, I'll plan the holiday around fixtures, 
that happened for Arsenal games. And number two, I'll then find a place to crash on, which I can get into after this. So the priority is my favorite team. And then let's say Arsenal plays on a Saturday and QPR, which uh, I used to get, thankfully, free tickets for on Wednesday. I'll still watch the QPR game because not because of the association with our founding fathers, Tony and Atudin, but something that I love football. So I just spend time and just watch games. And I sometimes, and most of the time, act like a local because when I watch Arsenal games, I know the chants and I'll actually banter with the away fans, sometimes occasionally curse because that's the way the game is. And I remember my last trip in 2020, the guy who sat next to me even asked me, how do I know all the songs? And I said, well, I'm a diehard fan. I watch Arsenal fan TV videos and basically live and breathe football and also through podcasting. Oh, so now that you've mentioned it, actually, I want to know, have you ever seen sports-related violence? Yes, I have. So this was uh, in 2022 last year. The, I watched an NHL game between the LA Kings and I can't remember. Uh, this was in the... Staple Center that is known as, but also known as Crypto Arena these days. So the fight was a typical NHL game for those listeners out there. So this was something that was interesting to see and being firsthand there is definitely different than watching it in stands or on TV. So this was something that I loved, like I know it's a passion of that two minutes spurt of two big athletes parring with each other and then having the respect of the game to be back to battling each other in a fair state. So this is something that I would say, uh, a fight which was part of the game and I loved it so much. And the adrenaline watching it in the stadium is just second to none. Maybe I should uh, mention that we do not encourage violence, <laughs> but uh, some friendly banter. Friendly banter in particular as an Arsenal fan, there's one very, very well-known banter that we like to do to our Tottenham Hotspur uh, fans, also known as Spurs. So it includes some curse words, which I will not mention here today. Of course. <laughs> but that is something that I have actually led uh, the chant and then collectively as a fan you would sing it and chant it together not only in the stadium but on the way to the tube station after the game after we won the game even though the Spurs fans might not even be there but it's just a known chant that whenever we're hyped we're happy we would banter the other team and just sing this particular chant so to those Arsenal fans and football fans out there you might actually know what I'm talking about yes taunting is part of this fandom correct Maybe it's something that kind of scares me because it can get really brutal and somebody might actually get hurt. So hopefully you have not been hurt in any of these events. Uh, thankfully, whatever happens in the 90 minutes or after extra time, what happens in the two hours you're in the stadium, it stays there. However, we do understand that violence can occur outside the stadium, which thankfully I know the colors not to wear at an away game and also to wear the appropriate colors when you're at home game because sometimes, yes, you have fans who, um, I would say, trounce the number of away fans, but when you walk across the streets after the stadium, it's still dangerous to wear certain colors. So I have been wise enough due to my sporting knowledge of knowing what to wear and what not to wear. And sometimes a small color could actually distinguish and differentiate yourselves from the rest in a bad way. So this is something that listeners should uh, look out for when traveling, especially for sports. Safety first. Yeah, definitely. Always, right? Um, but have you ever actually changed your attire just so that you will be safe? So when I was in 2011, when I was younger, the first time I went to the UK, I did not have the guts to put on an Arsenal jersey 
from the get-go. So I would actually just wear a neutral color, maybe a black or white top, or sometimes even a safe color that is not the home team or the away team. And then for the gram, I would actually then change and post uh, a photo proudly with the Arsenal colors at the stadium with the background of the Emirates. And actually in 2013, when I went to an away game as an Arsenal fan, I sat among the Jordies, the Newcastle United fans. So what happened was that Arsenal won 1-0 and my favorite player, Jack Wilshere, scored. And every time he, sorry, he didn't score, but every time he touched the ball, the fans would boo him because obviously we're home ground. So I actually had a mini tear in my eye whenever the Jordies would um, boo him because he's my favorite player. And the feeling of winning 1-0 and when we scored through an Olivier Giroud goal at the time, I had to contain my excitement because imagine being a small little kid amongst these Geordies who are passionate about football, which I totally understand. I did not want to celebrate it at all, but I was deeply inside, very happy at the win and actually took the train back to London in, for four hours because of my passion for Arsenal. Did you actually purposely sit over there instead of on your team? So for English Premier League games, it's very hard to get tickets for an away game. So you actually find ways to sneak in as a home fan. So you have to be street smart in knowing what to do and what not to do at an away game as an away fan, but sitting at the home fans, which is totally different to the experience with American sports where it's a family day out and home fans, away fans, you might be the meanest rivals, but we are sat together and there's no such banter as how football games would be. So getting tickets is difficult sometimes. Do you have any tips for getting tickets? So something that sports fans would know out there is do not use third-party websites because they sometimes they'll, they will overcharge and also that sometimes the genuinity of the ticket is very high, uh, very low, sorry. So what I do thankfully is that I'm a member of the Arsenal tickets page on Facebook and these are actually members who are a season pass holder at the Emirates and they are not able to attend the game. So what happens is that, let's say, Abby here today is a season pass holder, but she cannot make it to the game. She'll post it on the Facebook group, and then I, result myself, then message her that I would like to buy the ticket. And then we have a third-party person who will then verify whether Abby is legit or not. So prior to the transaction being done, I have some assurance that Abby is a real person who will not lie about her tickets that she owns. And thankfully for this particular Facebook page, they do not allow people to sell tickets above face value, which is a common occurrence for third-party websites. So I would say look out for Facebook groups for things that you are passionate about or teams that you support. And also obviously directly through the club official website or websites like TicketTag, which is an official website instead of using those uh, ticket websites which look legit, but you realize that the prices of the tickets are sometimes five times to 10 times higher, like how uh, uh, people are selling tickets for Taylor Swift, uh, U2 and other concerts and so on. So always be aware of when you're paying too much means that they're either fake or is it really worth your money to spend 10 times the price of a market value and not to get the best experience because sometimes by paying 10 times above face value you might get a better seat and a cheaper price buying it from the official site so say no to people who resell tickets at a high price closer to home which memorable events have you gone to around asia so as a proud Malaysian, I actually still support Harimau Malaya uh, to those international 
listeners out there is the nickname for our Malaysian team playing the Malaysian Tiger. So I've been to a few AFF Suzuki games where thankfully Asia has been a sponsor, but I've not gone to an AFF Suzuki game as an Asia All-Star because the sponsorship was when I was before I was an All-Star. So going as a real fan, paying the prices of tickets, which is honestly very cheap, and we should always support our local teams. And as much as I do not follow local football as much, being a proud Malaysian whenever we face Thailand, uh, Vietnam and Indonesia is just next level. Like the support for Asian fans compared to our European counterparts is just different because football is a sport in Asia that is picked up by everyone, I would say. Every single guy or at least nine out of ten uh, males would play the sport or know something about it. So the uh, passion shown by Malaysians together, no matter what race you're from, no matter what background you are, you're all the same. We're all Malaysians and we all support and get behind our team. So I would say the AFF Suzuki Cup and also supporting Harimau Malaya and also being a proud uh, guy from Selangor in, in Malaysia. Uh, I'm proud Selangor Red Giants fan also whenever we're in the Malaysia Cup Finals. Wow, there's so many teams to support. It's kind of hard to prioritize, right? Hard to prioritize, but there's one common team actually. So it's all red. So from Arsenal being red, Selangor being red, and also my idol in life, Tiger Woods, wearing red on Sundays for golf. Have you actually done like these sort of pilgrimages? You go to the arena, particular places where the sport was born. Do you do that as well? So there's a two-part answer to that. So... Nike, uh, when I first visited in 2011, December after high school, uh, I went to Nike Town in London. To so those who have been there, it's near Piccadilly Circus. So I actually teared up a bit. Uh, as I think you can tell, I'm a bit of a teary and emotional person. So, because I've heard stories of my cousins, my family members have been to Nike Town. And when I saw it, I was like, this is heaven on earth for me. The four-story uh, building at the time was my favorite store in the world. So Nike being a brand, my favorite brand in the world, next to Ralph Lauren personally, that this is the place to be. And so happened my idol, Tiger Woods, wears Nike. So that was something that I felt was a million pilgrimage for a brand, but also for a sporting stadium in general was the Emirates in 2011 and the same trip where I saw it for the first time in my life and this is where my favourite team ever, the Arsenal, plays their grounds. And um, being there, doing the stadium tour and understanding the history and sometimes at the time being only 17 years old, but I knew what the uh, tour guide was telling us. And this was something that I will forever uh, be thankful for, for my parents for giving me the opportunity to head over to the Emirates after my high school journey to um, be at the Mecca of uh, my Arsenal life. And another thing, the Mecca of golf, I've actually managed to play St. Andrews uh, in 2013, where I played the famous St. Andrews golf course where golf started. And it was just two days after Christmas. And the day before I went to register my uh, interest to play the round of golf, I was informed by the starter being the person who manages the round of golf for the day. He said, tomorrow there might be a storm, so you can put your name down, but no one's going to play. So thankfully, the gods saved me on that day. Perfect winter weather in St. Andrews, and the course was pretty much empty. So I had the whole golf course myself with a small little mat, which I had to use because of the conditions in winter where I could not hit uh, the golf ball on the fairway, so I had to use a makeshift mat, but I still managed to enjoy the golf course, like how 
uh, Tiger Woods and all the bigger players will play for the British Open every five years. So this is something that I've done proudly where my personal career as a sportsman at Nike to visiting the Emirates, the Arsenal Stadium, and also not forgetting the um, golf course where golf started St. Andrews. And I want to add a slight little thing where I visited Oracle Arena, uh, where the Golden State Warriors played their home games up until a couple of years ago. So that was, again, another feeling of like, I've made it in life in my bucket list because I have reached these four particular places, three particular places in my life where it's made me who I am today, so I'm very thankful for that. It seems that you've actually gone through all your bucket lists, so is there anything left on that list? Yeah, there actually there's a couple uh, bucket lists left to do, personally for me, my sporting life. So number one is to get passes to the US Masters, the holy grail of golf, where this is actually for non-golfers out there, it's the biggest tournament for professional golf. And for you to get an entry ticket is via lottery. And this is very, and you're not allowed to bring your handphones into the premise. Even the professional golfers who compete are not allowed to take any photos and uh, post anything on social media because of the high level of uh, the way it's very old school. And photos can only be taken on practice day on Wednesday, and even that is outside the, uh, the entrance, the famous entrance. Uh, you can only bring a disposable camera, or old school camera, not a, di a digital one, instead of a mobile device. So this is something where they hold highly. Uh, another one is also three finals in life where I've yet, to, I've yet to go to a World Cup game, which I hope to go to in 2026 because I have friends in the US. The Champions League final, which I hope Arsenal reached there again since 2006. We've never reached there. And also the Rugby World Cup final. So um, I've been to a World Cup game for rugby in 2019 in Fukuoka. Uh, watching Italy play Canada, but yet I've not been to a final. So I would say these four items are things that I have yet to take in my uh, bucket list and they are all different ways of getting tickets. So these, I would say, are four that I really want to take off my uh, bucket list before I die. It sounds like there will never be a day when you run out of things to attend and sports events can be so costly. So what are your tips for actually saving money to go on these sports trips? So I think something that I'm very blessed is number one, to always have friends around the world. So thankfully uh, to the listeners out there who those are listening to uh, this podcast, maybe from abroad who might want to get to know me, I like to save for free. So I save a lot of money staying on people's couches, people's extra room, people's floors, because to me, at the end of the day, accommodation is a lot of money. And I personally am not a big fan of backpackers places due to some hygiene purposes. So the biggest tip I have to people out there is to reach out to your friends. You might have friends who you've not talked to for maybe a dozen years, but with social media, go ahead and just buzz them and then have small conversations and bring something to the table. So maintaining close relationships with friends will also help you get free accommodation or even recommendations who, for people who might want to go with you for the experience or might even travel out of state for you and then uh, split the cost for accommodation if you have to pay for it. And another thing that uh, tip that I would have is to not be too picky in the seats that you have for the games because at the end of the day, once you're in the stadium, the feeling is the same whether you're in row A or row F. Because sometimes row A might be the seat right in front 
and more expensive. However, the experience isn't as good as sitting in row F. So something that I learned a lot was my first ever game uh, at the Emirates in 2011. I was lucky enough to sit in the executive box uh, due to a friend who had a dad who was a sponsor. The atmosphere was different. Yes, you got free food, free drinks, but you always want to be with the fans because the executive boxes are usually people who are there for corporate and for meetings. So you cannot chant and lose your voice as much as the perks you get, but you always want to be with the fans. So pay cheaper, but have the best experience with the fans chanting and also swearing. And the personal KPI I have going to sporting events is always to lose my voice. If I don't lose my voice at the end of the sporting event or game, I am not happy with myself. That's definitely an interesting KPI to set for yourself. So if you didn't lose your voice, it's not a very successful event. Clearly, yes, because the sports that I watch, I am allowed to scream and shout and banter. Whereas I rarely go to golf events. That's a totally KPI in general. But for football, for basketball games, even basketball games, you don't really lose your voice because it's a very calm environment. But I like to shout and try to be on the Jumbotron. But I try once to lose my voice as much as I can in sporting event. Do you have a KPI for golf then? Uh, that one, not really. It used to be signatures when I was a kid to meet these players. And but back in the day, signatures were a big thing. But now it's just the photos with people who I uh, idolize and also watch on TV. I just wonder, over these past years of traveling for sport, what has changed in the way you approach travel or in the way you see your trips? Previously, when I was younger, when I traveled a lot, I used to love plugging into my headphones and uh, listening to songs based off that city. So for example, when I was in Brooklyn, I would play Jay-Z songs. When I was in LA, I would play Kendrick Lamar songs. So that's something that I would do. But as I grow older and wiser, I realized that take off my headphones and enjoying and listening to the surroundings. Not only is for safety purposes, but to also suck in the culture. Because you hear so many people speaking with different dialects, different um, accents. So for example, if you're in the US, on the West Coast, you hear people speaking Tagalog to me sometimes because they see me as an Asian-looking man. Uh, you hear someone speaking Spanish. Whereas in the UK, you would hear people speaking for proper uh, British English. And then sometimes you have people who speak Nigerian English. So I would say taking off my headphones during travel is something that I've evolved over the last few years. Since most of your trips are really sports travel, are there actual cities entire cities that you would still want to recommend for anybody else? Definitely, I would say on the top of my head, LA, because not only it's a sporting city, it's a city with a lot of cultures. Like you get to enjoy Mexican food for breakfast and they could even have Asian food for lunch and they could have uh, South American food for dinner. So I would say uh, LA, but closer to home, a bit closer in Asia, I would say Thailand, because of how people treat you over there. Thai people are one of the kindest people in Asia. And there's so much to live from, from during the day where how hospitable they are to at night having different kind of sorts of activities depending on the type of person you are. So definitely these two cities are places which is for people who have different interests and different scales of uh, how they see leisure as, is definitely recommended. Is there any place that you would like to return to and why? I think there's a place which is actually not an open secret uh, where it's uh, Brisbane, Australia. So growing up, when I moved over to uh, Jimumba, which I mentioned earlier, is actually a place in between Brisbane and the Gold Coast. 
uh, when I was just 14 years old. So I've always wanted to live and move back to uh, Brisbane and uh, Australia because of the various avenues it has. And especially with, I'm sorry, I'm going back to sports, but Olympics 2032 will be hosted in Brisbane. So I actually realized that there's opportunities that uh, it's great to see my favorite country in the world and city uh, being given the opportunity to host a massive sporting event uh, in a few years time. So I would say Brisbane, Australia. Actually, if I had never been, can you sell Brisbane to me? What's there to see? So there's so much, not so much things to see in general, but it's just the lifestyle. So with Brisbane being the city of uh, Queensland, you can always drive down to the Gold Coast, which is 45 minutes away. So to answer your question, uh, maybe the theme parks you know, on the Gold Coast, which is just about a 40 minute ride from the, on the M1. And Brisbane City is just there's so many parks to go to and free activities, which is something which I appreciate about Australia, where you go there for a holiday, but you don't have to invest into a lot of money, such as going to an art gallery. If you want to, you can go ahead. And then, but there's always free and leisure activities for you to do, which is free, especially saves a lot of money because you also get to enjoy a breath of fresh air, especially uh, coming from Malaysia, moving over to Australia. And also there's a few art galleries in the city also, uh, South, uh, in South Bank. And I realized when I went back there in June, they are slowly building a lot of food eateries and developments in the lead up to the uh, Olympic Games in 2032. So there's city life in Brisbane, and then there's more beach and countryside life on the Gold Coast and uh, down south towards New South Wales. So it's all within an hour uh, drive. So definitely a city to visit and live in the future. So Australia being a sporting city, there's Brisbane Raw, there's the AFL team, uh, Brisbane Lions, and actually my best mate uh, on the Gold Coast works for the Gold Coast Suns, being the AFL team. So that's something that, a lifestyle that I want in the future. And also in general, Australians are very sporty. They love the outdoors. So that is part of the way of life, you know, being out, going to like trekking and hiking, all these things, going to the park, that is part of the Australian lifestyle. And it's actually like a very healthy one. Definitely. And they're blessed with nature being available to them. So as simple as going for a swim in, in the beach is a luxury for us Asians because we are, most of us are city centric. But to them, it's like, going to the beach for a swim it's like going to a shopping mall for people in malaysia so this is a bit of comparison for people who have not been to uh, australia and there's so many big waves too if you're a surfer yeah fantastic uh, place for parties as well all the students going on spring break we shall not get into those details <laughs> for two years of my life oh wow but that would be like a fantastic uh, thing to relive and remember I for you. it every day through my Facebook and Instagram memories okay I can just imagine what happened then so we've come to the part when I'm gonna ask you about your favorite things or mementos that you have taken from your trips whether they are actual items or just like encounters so I would say the first thing is mementos so um when I was a bit younger and smaller built in size, I used to, like I mentioned earlier, go to as many sporting games as I can for football. And I'll actually buy a jersey. So even though it might be Arsenal's rival team, but if I watch the game at the stadium, I'll actually invest in a jersey and put my name on it. Because that's how much I love the sport. And for example, I went to a Tottenham Hotspur game in 2013, our meanest rival. So to save money, but still get by a jersey, I bought 
the lady size that I could fit because buying the men's one was too expensive and I didn't want to invest too much into a rival club. So I bought a lady's jersey because the kids' jersey sizes were sold out. And I put a name of my favorite footballer from that team. But in general, uh, I'll actually buy football jerseys, like I mentioned, um, kid sizes. But now, unfortunately, I can't fit kid sizes anymore. So I have to buy men's, which is actually about 15 ringgit extra. Uh, but as I get older, I get wiser. So what I do now is I buy pins and I actually put it on my office lanyard, which people actually can see in the office. And actually, it's not a cloud chaser or just to get attention, but it's just me buying a memento, which is more affordable than buying a jersey or cap and uh, putting it every day on my lanyard. The most memorable encounter I've had is actually uh, meeting two famous Arsenal fan TV YouTubers. So, funny story of the game is that we drew nil-nil against Galatasaray. It was actually a game before COVID in 2020. And we didn't go through to the quarterfinals of that. So it was after a defeat uh, on aggregate, which is basically combining both home and away games and uh, calculating the result. So I met my two YouTubers, also from the same um, podcast channel on uh, Arsenal Fan TV, were my highlights of meeting people who were not the athletes themselves because I was thankful enough to meet a few QPR players uh, in the dressing room. But meeting these YouTubers, which I idolize the way they create content like this podcast and also generate ideas with minimal education background was something that I would say the memorable ones that I've had where um, meeting people who are I would say off the beaten track but people I love how do you manage your content consumption with so many channels to follow if sports knowledge was a degree not sports management I would actually be on the dean's list and actually be the number one guy because I watch sports, listen to sports, consume sports all day, every day. And the way I balance out these uh, different podcasts is I know when they come up. So for example, a golf podcast, the only golf podcast that I listen to called Rick Shields Golf Podcast comes out every Tuesday morning, Malaysian timing because they're based in the UK. So I actually listen to them on the way to work on a Tuesday. And then my other uh, football podcast, I know when they are out uh, on air. So I schedule my listening time based off when they are released. And then also to be, instead of just being 100% sports related, getting older, I've started listening to a famous uh, Malaysian podcast called Kroas Kejap by Kari Jamaluddin and Shahar Hamdan, where it helps me not only improve my Bahasa Malaysia, but also keeps me updated with the current news instead of having to go through every single news article and getting the recap from these two former politicians. At this point, are there anything that I missed out on that you would still like to share? What I'd like to share with people is that do not be worried about going off the beaten track for a sports holiday because there are always people like you and no matter how much slack or negative comments you might get from people saying that you are boring, that you are going to sports-related events because my holidays are number one priority sports and number two, okay, I find something on certain recommendation apps, then I'll go to those places. So you will always have another personnel, whether a girl or guy, who loves the passion as much as you do and to go with it. Because who knows, uh, in the future, you might even um, be translating it into business where I was given the opportunity via an Asia holidays gig where Tony himself knew that I was a big sports fan and I transmitted this knowledge I had as a sporting uh, geek to travel into work. So doing something that might be very niche, 
But as long as you stick to your guns, you have good intentions, go ahead and do it and just go with it. That's good to know that you can actually put your passion into something that is work-related. It makes work even easier to do because you love it. Definitely. And that's how some of the rappers that I listen to actually say that make your passion and hobby your everyday job, something like that, because then you don't feel like you're working every day in your life. So this is something that, this is not a plug, but this is just me saying that in the future, working in sports is something that I really, really want to get into. And uh, something that I realized that I think being based in Malaysia, especially, we need to branch out more because um, the opportunities for sports for people based in Malaysia is very limited compared to our neighboring countries. And this is something that I hope our country will in the future um, increase its uh, openness to this industry, which is ever changing and will not stop because sports is something that will always be there and not a trendy kind of thing. And on that note, I would like to thank you, Rizal, for joining me today. It has been a pleasure talking to you. Thank you, Abby, for having me on this episode of All Stars Transit. And if you picked up a new idea for your next trip, tell a friend about this podcast. I'm Abby, and this has been All Stars in Transit, where I talk travel with the people working behind the scenes at AirAsia. Life's a trip. Enjoy the journey. Thank you, Abby. Take care. Have a good one, everyone.